it's Wednesday. You guys ever watch, listen to Paul Harvey? I just remember as a kid driving to school and dad playing Paul Harvey, Good Morning Americans. It's Monday. Wednesday. Huh? Yep. That's right. Um, I have I have a, a treat for you all tonight that relates to uh, the subject. Do you want everyone to take, there should be enough for everyone to take one. And one of you, if you would, towards the back, make sure if someone comes in late, they get one of them too. Mike, let me, I, I failed to grab one, so I better, okay, here we go. You have yours. You're going to want, so, okay. Um, t- tonight we are going to pick up where we are, where we are left off last week in the Beatitudes. Um, it's great to have Jeannie back from Florida. Yeah. We got, we got people from J- Jamaica and Bath and Pan and, um, I would, and obviously we have a, a full hallway tonight, and then I think they're going to be heading outside, and so it's great to have this activity tonight with the kids. But let's begin in prayer. John, would you call, open us up in prayer? Can I put, yeah, thanks. Amen. Amen. Um, okay, so we're going to, we're going to jump right into the Sermon on the Mount, so let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, and you have the, the verse there, but if you want to turn to the context, um, I want someone to read to me, starting with the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, and would you read through verse 9? Who's going to do that for me tonight? you next. Bonnie. Ba- yeah, Jeanette's mom. Jeanette's mom. No, mother-in-law. Well, I mean, mom. Man, whew, all this pressure tonight. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. <laughs> or those that were just made meek. Bonnie. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's say that together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. One more time. Nice. In a Pastor Jack style, slow. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We were discussing... This topic this morning, as a staff in the office, just a, or it might have been yesterday. Is it this morning? It was, or was it yesterday? Man, they all just blend together. And we were talking about yesterday because we were talking about the marriage seminar. We were talking about doing a seminar in the fall. Now, I wanted to do a seminar that would be for any adult or any any person. They don't have to be a couple, an individual. And we were talking about different topics. And this topic that we're going to talk about tonight, not peacemaking, but the whole concept of relationships. Uh, Over the last 15 years of pastoral ministry, uh, there, 
one thing that I have learned and have seen very clearly is that people need help thinking about, a, in a biblical way, about relationships, about how you handle, and, and specifically in relationships, how you deal with conflict. That's, is that why she leads? Oh, that's what she needs. That's... <laughs> Yeah, do you remember the third warning in the marriage seminar? You know, beware of the fix the other person first. Yeah. Um, so tonight, if you're sitting here about peacemaking, watch. Make, make sure you don't have the fix the other person first. Nothing like sitting in a church service when the pastor's preaching on unity or getting along, and you're thinking, oh, I wish that person would do this, and I wish that person did. Oh, I wish that person was here. He needs to be here. Um, so, so tonight we're going to talk about blessed are the peacemakers. Did you guys get the, the handouts and, and, and the brochures? Okay. They're on the, they're on the chair in the back. You want to get, you want to get a white sheet and then you want to get a brochure. Look, oh, right. They had the Easter egg hunt. We have the brochure hunt in here. So, um, I, we're going to look at that, that brochure towards the end here. So, blessed are the peacemakers. What what do you think of when you hear the term peacemaker? First of all, peace with God. Okay. Okay. Jesus is our peacemaker. Okay. Jesus is our peacemaker between God and man. In fact, we see that in Colossians 1, where he reconciled. What does the word reconcile mean? What? To restore, to repair, and it's really, but it it has to do with relationships, to make right two two parties, two warring parties that come together and now are not warring parties, but are friends. That's kind of like peacemaking, right? Yeah? That's somebody else? Huh? Yeah. But you're being serious. You're, you're meaning, so when you think of peacemaker, oh, I'm not a good peacemaker. Somebody else is better at that. Okay, so okay, so what is what is the opposite of peace? War or conflict? And we and we and what? Where do we find war and conflict within? Let's just say, let's take two contexts: the church and the home. Where do we find war and conflict? What's that? Against sin. Okay, we're warring and fighting against sin. Where else? Okay, you're saying personality, attitude, all that. So you're saying, but that's happening between people. So church members to church members. Have any of you have ever experienced conflict in the home? Okay, now, now, this couple is just conflict-free. That means they're not happy, Pastor Jack said. <laughs> or no, you quoted somebody else. 
um, to be saved. So we, you, so there's war, war can happen within a church. Conflict can happen within a church. Surely does, and a conflict happens within a family, between a marriage, family with kids, brothers and sisters. Okay, Jesus said, and if you're thinking think through this, he said, "Blessed are the peace, blessed are the, blessed are the poor in spirit." And then, "Blessed are what's the second one?" Let's see if we can, without really looking, what? Those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the those that hunger and thirst. What's the fifth? Those are merciful. Last week was they're pure in heart. So they're they're single-minded in devotion to God. And then Jesus gets right. He's gonna. We're gonna actually now get into suffer, suffer and um, suffer persecution for Christ. Blessed are those. But this last one, he said, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Because you shall be called, they shall be called the sons of God. I, let's start with the end first and then really talk about peacemaking. He says, they shall be called sons of God. What is that? What do you think of? What, what does that mean? The peacemaker will be called, the, be called sons of God. Okay? They're displaying what attribute? Sure, sure. Okay. Now, if you're in the marriage seminar, I started with a text or scripture in that first session on Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Children are imitators of who? Their parents, of daddy or mom. They, they imitate their parents. I mean, I have just, I have memories of lifting weights in our basement and having a little, you know, little Paul or Barnabas, you know, with, with a two-pound weight going, doing the same thing that Dad does. And, and I never told him to do it because he watched me and he imitates me. Um, okay, those that are, I, I really see, I, I don't think, like a lot of the, just like, remember how we said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Do they earn mercy because they're merciful? And we said that they, they, they actually demonstrate that they actually have a heart of repentance and understand God's mercy and have repented and, and they'll receive mercy. I think in this case, the question is, do, they, you, do you become a son of God because you're a peacemaker or do you prove yourself to have be a son of God, child of God, if you're a peacemaker? Would you say, what do you think? I think, I think we're saying, so I think as we think this, this does immediately point us to God and points us to who He is and what He's done. He is the great, uh, as Bonnie said, you know, you brought up peace with God. We, he, he, he reconciles sinners to sinners to man. So reconciling needs to t- take place. Being a peacemaker is something God's people do and they follow their daddy. They, they follow their dad. And, they, and they're doing that. Now, how do Christians... There are at least two ways, or how, how would I put it, um, two, two relationships a Christian should be a peacemaker. 
I'll, I'll say the first one because you might not be. I'm trying to have a hard time describing the category. Peacemaker. If I'm going to be a peacemaker, if you're going to be a peacemaker, first of all, I need to make sure I need to work on making sure I have peace with others. Right? I, I can't ignore that. If, if I'm, we all know the busybody that runs around trying to be the self-proclaimed, you know, person that goes and mediates for everybody. And we don't like that, especially if they don't know how to deal with their own conflicts. Um, so it's our caring about being a peacemaker. So if I have a war with somebody else, I'm handling it right. So being a peacemaker means I deal with the, the potential of war or lack of peace and making peace. I need to care about peace myself in my relationship with others. Well, how else do we see a peacemaker at work? Break it out. How do we see that in a family sometimes? Who's often supposed to be, a, do we clearly see should be a peacemaker? What's that? The father or, or the mother. You know, Elijah and Barnabas, they're in a massive fight and rolling and punching and mom grabs them and pulls them apart and, you know, is, is in the process of doing peacemaking. Have you ever done that? And we're called the peacemaker. Now, I want us to think in terms of this this concept tonight. Um, really, in, in a very practical way, have you ever have you ever heard of the peacemaker ministry? Has anybody ever heard? If you've heard of the peacemaker ministry, this uh, peacemaker ministries, raise your hand. You see. So basically, just Pastor Jack and Pastor Jay. Uh, the, here's a brochure that's from them. And it's more, it's really not a brochure about them. It's a brochure from them about principles of peacemaking. It's really helpful. I want you to turn to the, to the page, the inside page, and kind of open it up like this. So it looks, this one, that, the one that has kind of the half circle on the bottom. And I want, I want to walk you through some thoughts on here. First of all, um, Unmet desires and the slippery, slippery slope of conflict. James, if we could, we could turn to James, chapter, James chapter four, verses one and two, and it says, "Where does conflict, quarrels, and divisions?" In fact, I want to. It, it's worth going there. Look at James chapter four, because. Before we get to James chapter 4, open up to James 4 and look at the verses before James 4.1. So the end of chapter 3, which many Bible commentaries say that the Sermon on the Mount and the book of James have a lot of similarities. James is a lot of Proverbs, a lot of wisdom, and, and we get that in the Sermon on the Mount. From, and, and so it happens, James is the brother of Jesus. And who is, look at verse 13 of James 3. Who's wise and understanding among you by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earth, earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For wherever jealousy and strife, ambition exists, there will be disorder and every 
vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, insincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And then he says, now here's, so if you're going to be a peacemaker, which is where the wisdom of God comes from, and God's people, the sons of God, those that are true children of God, they resemble that, that kind of wisdom, like their father. Um, we need to know where, prob- where conflicts arrive. Where do conflicts arrive, even in the church? Even, I mean, I, I've, I've been in, I remember probably about 10 years ago on an Easter Sunday morning, we were having an Easter breakfast, and one lady came, and she was so mad. She was so angry at this other lady in the church because the other lady in the church had decorated the side room and had decorated it a gray color. And gray is the color of sin because it's like black. And she left the church that day because of that color. She was steaming mad. Look at look at James chapter 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is, is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. In this, in this little booklet, we, it starts by saying we need to recognize that in, in conflicts, our own conflicts often with other people, and conflicts that are, ha- are happening in your home or happen within a church or happen in work are often the, the result of the unmet desires. And, the, and, and then we don't receive our desires. We don't have that. And there's a slippery slope of conflict. You see the slippery slope of conflict conflict down at the bottom here, what can often happen is we have conflict, we're struggling with something, there, there's, a diff, there's, a, there's, a, there's a battle of desires, oh, I want this, I want this, I think this room should be painted this color, I think that Sunday school should be done this way, I think music should be done this way, I think, and we could, you know, I think that we should pay our bills this way, I think we should go on and spend our vacation this way this year, I think we should do this this way. We, we do all those things, and we, ha- we, we have this, des- this, there's these desires, and there's a conflict, and the slippery slope off, often is, is all of us are going to face conflict. The slippery slope is you can slip off on one side, or you can slip off on the other side. One side is the, the escape responses. I, I, I have conflict, and I'm going to just, I'm going to escape and I'm going to run from that conflict. I'm not going to deal properly with the conflict. And therefore, I'm not going to be, I'm not being a peacemaker. I'm going to escape the conflict and by either denying that the conflict here, but by the way, it already happened. It happened. These two people put their, you know, they had this conflict. They got upset with each other and there's been a conflict. And, and it's so easy for us to, um, when two people use escape responses when they are more interested in avoiding unpleasant people or situations, now I just don't want to have that hard conversation. And the deni- one is denial. 
is one way to escape this conflict is to pretend that the problem does not exist. Another way is to refuse to do what should be done to resolve a conflict properly. These responses bring only temporary relief and usually make the matters worse in the long run. Anybody ever do that? Anybody ever be in denial of a conflict? Or we fight flight. Another way is to escape from conflict is to run away. I'm so tired. I don't want conflict. I don't want anything. So we, we just leave the relationship. We just, we just stay away from them. We, we just we avoid them. This may take the form of pulling away from a relation, quitting a job, filing for divorce, or changing churches. Fight, uh, flight might, may be legitimate in extreme circumstances. Sometimes it really is. But in most cases, it only postpones a proper solution to a problem. And so, we, we, we're, instead of being a peacemaker, we deal with the conflict by escaping that way. And in the most extreme situations, suicide takes place. This is that, on this here, the most extreme, avoiding that conflict is dealing with that. Obviously, there's a lot of complexity behind suicide, and I don't want to get into that. Number two, so that's, the, that's one side. Then there's another slope, the other side of the slippery slope is, okay, you can, what happens when you get into trouble? There's flight or there's fight. There, there's, I'm, I'm going to put my dukes up. I, okay, we had conflict, and man, I'm not backing down, and I'm not running. I'm going after it. And people tend to use attack responses when they are more interested in controlling others and getting their way than in preserving religion. We've seen vivid examples of this actually on the news recently. In, in certain campaigns, and, and where there's, I mean, there's just like, hey, if that happens to you, you could punch him in the face. And there's assault. Some people try to overcome an opponent by using various forms of uh, force or intimidation. There's, there's that can happen on a softball field, and you get upset, and you're nose to nose, and you're upset. And I'm not backing down because you just embarrassed me, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to take it, and I'm going to face it, and I'm going to I'm going to try to get back at you. There can be forms of litigation, suing people. Man, I'm I'm ripped, and I'm going to go after it. And in the most extreme cases, even murder. I mean, James says this. He he's saying this. At least there's murder in the heart. As in, there's quarrels, and I just I, I just want to get them. Now, the gospel which is the heartbeat of the Sermon on the Mount, which is really what is the source of a believer, the, the peacemaker, those that have received mercy are merciful. Those that are blessed are the merciful, they'll show receive mercy. The sons of God, they became sons of God because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we realize that in this book, number four, the gospel is the key to true peace. The key to changing the way we deal with conflict is the gospel, the good news that God has made peace with us by sending His Son to die for us. When we trust in Jesus, God forgives us all our sins and begins to transform our desires and character so that we can break from free from the habit of escaping from conflict or attacking others. And so, so with that said, it allows us to actually have proper responses. And, and this is something that's really important in churches and in families and and people, in, as 
you cannot be a mature Christian if you do not grow to learn to be somebody that maturely responds to conflict. Would you agree with that, Pastor Jack? Can you be a mature Christian and not be one that has grown to be a peacemaker like this? He is not a, a peacemaker. He is humble, a mature Christian. I mean, he is living up to the other Beatitudes, meek. He is poor in spirit, all of those things. What's that? If they're both humble, they can't have a fight. Not at that, you can't. Because they are both looking in the mirror, and they're both right. Okay. Here, here's how, according to this, in the middle pages here, number five, peacemaking responses, both personal peacemaking and assisted peacemaking. Personally, there, there are three ways to resolve conflicts in personal and private and just between you and the other party. One would be overlooking an offense. So there's times when that person was really grumpy to you and actually hurt you, hurt your feelings. And you're not necessarily in denial or fleeing if you go, if you don't go to them with the Bible verses and say how ungodly they were and that they need to repent and that you hurt them and your relationship is hurt. You don't necessarily always have to do that, especially when you discern, you know what, maybe they were just having a bad day. Yeah. So the, the older you are and the honest, honester you are with yourself, the more honest you are with yourself, the more you can actually overlook. And why is that? So, certain, so some things just don't matter as much. Okay. I, I don't think that's true of all older people that I know, though. No. I've seen, I've seen a lot of things matter a lot. No, but I, I, and I think for you, though, there's been a seasoning of grace in your life because God is... Assaulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> With a good counterpunch. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Look overlooking an offense. Can you think of an area? Can you think of areas where, time to time, man, I need to look. Oh, I, I need to apply the golden rule. What's the golden rule? Do unto others as they would, as you'd want them to do. Yeah, do unto the shorthand is do unto others, but it means as as you'd want them to do to you. 
you want others to give you a little slack. You would want others to give you a little slack and not always judge your motives or judge your situation. I, um, the book of, book of Ecclesiastes talks about, don't, don't take it to heart too much if you actually happen to overhear somebody talking about you. Because don't you, and he goes, because don't you, haven't you talked about others and you wished you, they wouldn't have been listening and you were just having a bad moment? <laughs> like, don't take it to heart. And there, there's wisdom there, and there's a wisdom of saying, okay, a peacemaker, for one, knows that there's times where I need to overlook an offense. Now, where do you think that line, where can we, where is the line where we overlook an offense of someone, say, someone in the church here, a fellow Christian, does something that offends you. And you can move forward. You don't have, you're not, a, you're not in denial, and you're not avoiding or fleeing conflict. But you're actually over just overlooking an offense. And as, actually it's Proverbs 19, it's a man's glory to overlook an offense. What, 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 are, what are some maybe rules of thought that should determine whether that's the case or not? Good. I, I think if we, it, w- one of the things is, we may not be able to just overlook it if we just can't get it out of our minds and it's still bugging us and we can't. We gotta, we just gotta deal with it. But if we can go, you know, I'm okay. I, I love that person. I don't feel resentment to that person. It hurt, but I can absorb that hurt. I don't even think they meant it. And to be honest, it might just be more unhelpful to go point it out. It's, here's the thing is sometimes pointing it out is just unhelpful because it's not a pattern in their life. But sometimes it's actually unhelpful. Sometimes it's actually more helpful to the relationship to point it out even though you could live it, move forward because you want to, you love them. And that usually happens in the context of a good friend. Yeah. I think that's good. And in fact, that's overlooking an offense would be an application of two beatitudes before, right? What was two attitudes before? Blessed are the what? Merciful. We're just showing mercy. Hey, you know, I can just can overlook that. Yeah.
I'd have to deal with it depending on the situation. I mean, obviously, if, um, you know, if I thought that Tammy wasn't being a very big, good servant that you know, this last Sunday, I'm not going to, I'm not going to confront her. Um, but, but you have to, okay, as, as a pastor, do, and, but, and that's where, okay, as a peacemaker, a peacemaker looks not just, in fact, that probably gets at a different level of a peacemaker. A peacemaker cares for true peace in another person's life between, between them and God. And when they see character flaws, they see those things, they'll come. And that's, that's what a good friend does. And a pastor should be a really good friend to a person's soul, to their heart, to their character. Now, so the second thing is is reconciliation. So if, if you and another person have a, have a problem and a conflict, there was harsh words, there was a disagreement. One was rude. The other person got defensive in that, to that rudeness. And you went away unresolved. And it, it's festering. It's, time isn't going to heal it. Time doesn't heal that. And, and the peacemaker should say, okay, I, I want to pursue reconciliation. I want to I wanna go, I, I, I need to pursue, the, this, this offense is so serious enough, it's, it's hurting me, it's bugging me. This wasn't just a, a bad, this isn't just a bad moment, I saw this, I need to deal with it. So, one needs to be addressed through confession, loving correction, and forgiveness. And it depends on each situation. Now, on the, on the back side, there's some really helpful categories here. There's some really helpful categories. Um, I, the four G's of peacemaking is really helpful. The four G's of peacemaking glorify God. We got instead of focusing on our own desires, our own or dwelling on what others may do, we must rejoice in the Lord and bring Him praise by depending on His forgiveness, wisdom, and power, and say that my main goal in anything and in any relationship is to glorify God, and, and that's my goal in in all of this. And so my goal in peacemaking is to glorify God. And then I need to get, num- the second G is to get the log out of my own eye. I need to look in the mirror. What does is, what is getting the log out of my own eye mean? Huh? Dealing with my own faults. In fact, it's always best when, okay, you had that conflict. I said this. She said this. We got a heated Argument. I need to stop and go. What did I do to contribute to this conflict? What What was my attitude, my tone, my words? How can I possibly take responsibility in my in my heart where I was wrong? I, I can't. I'm not going to take blame for what they did, but I'm, I have to take responsibility, and I, I want and I must do it with a humble heart, not even trusting that all of my motives are always that good. You know, okay, you know what, I, I, I can imagine I came across this way. I, I didn't think I was doing this, but I could see how I came across this way. Um, so we need to get the log out of our own eyes. And I, I encourage you to slowly read through these, these points, and then we gently restore. Instead of pretending that conflict doesn't exist or taking talking about others behind their backs, we will overlook minor offenses, or we will take personally and graciously with, we'll talk personally or and graciously with those who, whose offenses seem too serious to overlook. Um, seeking to restore them rather, 
restore rather than to condemn them. When a conflict with a Christian brother or sister cannot be resolved in private, we will ask others in the body of Christ to help us settle matter in a biblical way. Whether it be a pastor or somebody that you feel can spiritually with maturity help. Um, And then don't be reconciled. Instead of accepting premature compromise or allowing relationships to wither, we will actively pursue genuine peace and reconciliation. Romans 12 says, as much far as it's possible, pursue peace with one another. We are, we are called. We are called to do that because we are one body. Um, another column here. Seven. Uh, I, I like. A, the um, seven A's of confession. Address when we need it. When we need to confess our own sins. And I think this is all part of being a peacemaker. Being a peacemaker means if I'm a, if I cause the problem, I need to make right. Address everyone involved. So if if three people were involved with what I did wrong, I need to address all of them. I need to confess to all of them. Avoid it. Avoid if. Hey, if I offended you, Bonnie. If I if if I offended you and you were so sensitive. You know, you know that's how doesn't that how doesn't that how it comes across? Like if I offended you because you were so sensitive, because I, I you know because I didn't mean it. You know that's we hear those kind of apologies all the time on the TV from athletes and from other you know other things like that. Um, if avoid ifs in your conf- in your confession, avoid you know, hey, I'm sorry of this, but you really did this. But, but you, you really needed to, you know, you did, no, no, not in my confession. I'm not bringing up what they did. Let's between, it, and sometimes I have to leave it to God and let God bring it. There are times when you go to them and say, hey, I have a concern how you did this. This really hurt. And I just want, maybe you didn't even know that it hurt. And I need to tell you that. But I, but I, I, I have a forgiving heart, but I needed to share that with you because that, that was painful. Um, admit specifically, not just generalities. Acknowledge the hurt. I think it's, hey, you, you said this. This is what you did. And it, it hurt. It, it really cut at my character, and it, it really hurt. Um, or, you, or, I'm sorry, that, that's if you're confronting somebody about what they did in a separate situation. In this case, it would be, you know what, hey, I said this to you, and I can imagine that was very hurtful. You know what? That's I, I have found that so helpful when I have to confess and and when my heart is right and you go when your heart's right, not when you're just trying to go through a formula because you want them to get give you what you want, peace or whatever. Is you whether this be your spouse or your family member, hon, I'm sorry. When I said that, that was instead of saying that wasn't me when I said that. Yes, it was me. It was my sinful me, and I meant it when I said it because I'm a I'm a rotten sinner. And I tried to hurt you. And I, I bet that did hurt. And that grieves me now. Please forgive me. I tell you what, that, that, can, just, that can just unloose so many chains. Uh, and when that person goes, hey, they really mean it. The gift of confession sometimes can bring so much blessing to, another, to the peacemaking process. Not always. Sometimes you're dealing with such sourness and bitterness that you just can't. You just have to give it to God. 
and you can, I mean, I, I have confessed sin to somebody, and they just didn't, wouldn't have any bit of it. And their hearts were hard. Um, alter your behavior and ask for forgiveness. And that, that's the final, hey, will you forgive me? I was wrong, will you forgive me? Not, hey, I apologize. That, what does that mean? Uh, diddly squat. So I, I think, isn't this good? I think this is a good, very good. Okay, uh, we're going to wrap up. I mean, we could spend a whole another half hour talking about this. But I, I, I came across, as I was finishing up on this, maybe I'll bring this up next week, but I just want to read this to you. This, this is all in the context, wouldn't you say, of church unity, too? I mean, as you think about a church, Paul, at the end, in in Ephesians 4 says, you are, we are one body, and we are to pursue a type of unity and a love for one another. And several years ago, I, I had this in an end of a sermon, at pursuing peace and unity in the church. It said six things. Let's avoid gossiping. Let's identify, which, which is peacemaking. Peacemakers don't gossip. Let's avoid gossiping. Let's identify identify evidences of grace in each other and speak them to each other and about each other. Identify evidences of God's grace in somebody else's life and say it. Say, hey, I want to... I see evidences of God's grace at work in your life and I just want to tell you that that really encourages me and you should be encouraged too. Three, let's speak criticism directly to each other if we feel the need to speak to others at all, about it. Four, let's look for and assume the best motive in the other's viewpoint, especially when we disagree. Isn't that good? I mean, let's let's assume the best motive in another viewpoint, especially when we disagree. So when you have to sit down and have this disagreement, let's assume the best motive. Number five, think often of the magnificent things you hold in common with someone else so easy to get all worked up and go, man, we hold so much in common. And lastly, let's be more amazed that we are forgiven than that we are right. And in that, in that way, let's shape our relationships by the gospel. Let's be more amazed that we're forgiven, that we're actually right in this argument. That's amazing. And it's amazing if we were right, because we're a sinner, and we might not be right always. So we get quite often we can get in squabbles about things we don't need to be getting in squabbles about. So, blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called sons of God. So, what I wanted to do with prayer tonight, it, I, I was I was really helped. I feel I feel like I was really helped by what we did last week. And you're and, and are praying for the church this way. We have prayer requests here, so take out your white sheets. Um, and Julie, will you write down? You'll write down any prayer requests. There. Do you, I want to take some additional prayer requests? Please take those prayer sheets with you and pray. Last week we we took five things: ministry of the word, praying for visitors at Grace, we prayed for the marriage seminar. And sickness, and I, I, there's one other, I forget what was the other thing. So we took five five things, and we prayed. We spent a few minutes, and we prayed for the next one. We met in groups. 
That was really helpful to me, and I hope it was help encouraging you. Um, I'd like to do that tonight with some more themes, and I want you to help me determine what we should pray for. I, I am going to ask that we pray for the ministry of the Word this coming Sunday. So that will be one theme that we're going to take, and we're going to and, and pray for me, the preaching, the te- those that teach in all ministries, that God, I, I, can, I can prepare a sermon, I can put it all together and have it really good, and it can even sound really good to the listener, but it won't change hearts unless the Spirit is at work. Really believe, and and he, one of the ways the Spirit works is by us asking Him to do it through prayer. So that's one thing we're going to pray for the ministry. What else do you think we should pray for as a church? 